Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Livia Martinez, and I'm joined by my two lovely parents. And today, we are going to be discussing the Netflix documentary, Mucho Mucho Amor, The Legend of Walter Mercado, and the legend he certainly was. So, Walter Mercado is an interesting fella, to say the least. Dad, you say you remember actually seeing him when you were in Mexico? Yes, he was a legend in Latin America. And the fact that I know him based on seeing television of him in Mexico and also in the United States on Spanish language television, I can I can confirm that he was a, a daily part of many, many households in Mexico and in the United States. It was when you were a kid, when you would be visiting your family in Mexico, that they would kind of gather around the TV, right, and right. and watch him. Yeah, and it was one of these things like, what is that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is this person, or who is this person? And, and oh, he's an astrologer, and he's a psychic, and he tells fortunes, and he reads horoscopes. You know, he tells people what they're, you know, how they're going to, how their day's going to go, how their week's going to go. But get this, it was daily. He would do it daily on a television show. And so people would tune in, and you, they got into a habit of tuning in. And that's why he became the legend that he became starting in the 1970s. Okay, so to back it up, Walter Mercado is Puerto Rican and he was a character, definitely. (laughs) And he was very into, yeah, the psychic stuff and astrology. And yeah, he had a daily show and he went through many different networks and different time slots. And he also ended up having one of those weird psychic hotlines where people would call in if they were having a bad day and get their fortune told or whatever. But he was super successful in everything he did. And can y'all just stop for a minute, unless you're driving, but look up a picture of Walter Mercado. And so you can picture this legend that we were talking about. He was eccentric to say the least, but he kind of worked the capes, didn't you think, Mom? Yes, yes. You... (laughs) I think most people wouldn't necessarily naturally trust a man in a cape, (laughs) but um, he seemed to engender this kind of confidence. Apparently people all over the world thought, well, you know, he knows he is the man with the advice for my life. And nice (laughs) use of the word engender, because gender is a big part of the story. He's being described as gender non-conforming. And yeah, you look at him, even in the film itself, Willie, his right hand and left hand man who'd been with him for 50 years. Oh yeah, that was there's a classic scene where it says some sometimes he looks like a woman sometimes it looks like a man i can't think of a better definition for gender non-conforming than that that and, and that's true and it's not so much that he broke gender stereotypes is that he was his own thing he created his own persona and his own larger than life his own brand yeah, yeah pretty much i mean he was he was branding before it was cool and but that's who he was and he was he always knew he was different from when he was a little kid which he, he was born in 1932 i think this guy was like how old was when they were filming this, he was in his late 80s. Yeah, and he looked like a 65-year-old plastic woman, yeah. which is not a bad thing, really. Yeah, not you, at that age. And he didn't age. Any of you with grandparents who you can't tell their age between 50 and 90, that's Walter Mercado. Cause, Literally. Yeah. And they asked him, remember, have you had any... Uh, surgery done and his response he was a very likable guy oh He's, i loved him he yeah. said just a little botox like nicole kidman <laughs> i think the documentary is very entertaining on a couple of different levels first of all it's just kind of fun to watch something about a person that so many people around the world really identified with and, and we really knew nothing enjoyed. about him really yes and we as americans really had never heard of him before but apparently in latin america he's just a household name for many decades. So it's fun to watch somebody like that. But also, apparently he was an inspiration to a lot of young Latins who maybe had problems conforming with 
their kind of macho, more traditional society. Mm -hmm. He showed that you could be different and original and yet still be beloved by huge numbers of people. And he didn't have to identify himself as with this label or that label, and yet he was still accepted and celebrated. And I think a cute moment was he said as a little boy he was never really the same as his macho brothers or anything, but he said his mom always said, just be you, and I'm sure that's really, really uncommon in that culture, so I think that was cool. And one of the filmmakers, uh, Kareem Tabsh is his name, and the other one is Christina Constantini, but Kareem was saying that As a kid, he figured if his grandmother loved Walter, she would love him. And so that's kind of an interesting take that it gave him confidence that, oh, well, of course, everybody loves Senor Mercado or whatever, you know, and and that's kind of a cool thing. But getting back to the cakes, I did want to mention one thing. Some of them weighed as much as 30 or maybe even 50 pounds. And he was wearing those in his late 80s. Yeah, and he was still wearing those. So the physical toll, it never occurred to me that a cape could weigh that much. Oh, did you see the rhinestones on that thing? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And this is an example of where a podcast can't really truly capture what video could. Yeah. So this is why you have to see the Netflix documentary. You have to watch it. Because um, what we're, again, his outfits really are just his signature look is stands on its own and is out there, completely out there. Well, they the, really belong in a costume gallery and some kind of museum. Well, and the, the filmmakers uh, really did a nice job because what can you say? I mean, the images really tell the story. It was very minimal intrusion. It was a documentary format. Every once in a while, you'd hear them asking the questions, but all they had to show was old footage, new footage, you know, him on his throne, you know. Walter did love talking about himself and <laughs> yeah. his past. Well, so. and it's interesting, too. Um, you mentioned the museum, and that's kind of the, the whole, if there is a plot to it, is that at the very end there's going to be this retrospective of 50 years in media in Miami which was a spiritual home in the U.S. as it were and so that was interesting too that he was able to go to that and this guy's 86 87 years old at the time and they said he would light up when the cameras turned on and you could see it you could actually see it and that's really really interesting and at the opening of the exhibit one of the funniest parts you know they're showing everything going around you see a close-up of an Instagram story that says (laughs) Things just got weird, and like you think, things just got weird. The thing was weird. <laughs> he comes in basically being held on like Cleopatra, like on a throne, and he's literally just, he's just accepting all the accolades and taking selfies with people and and what have you. You can t- just feel the love in the room that all these people admire, and a lot of young people too. That was the other oh, yeah, interesting, that was interesting thing. What you were mentioning earlier, uh, Emily, about the people identifying with that, you know, that kind of again, he was not about labels, but. Yeah, be who you are. And he certainly was. And for many, many years, he was for his entire life. He was. And look where it got him. And it was cute because at the premiere, what do you would you call it? The museum opening? I guess the, the exhibit, opening of opening, the exhibit. Yeah. Whatever it was. It was really sweet because they were taking selfies with him. And you could tell he genuinely was like happy that people wanted to be with him. You know how some of those celebrities are too cool for all that, but he was not. He wanted that. He loved people. He had been out of the spotlight for, I think, I think a couple years. of decades. So, yes. And so he, you could tell he enjoyed just being, not so much getting the attention as much as being around people who loved him. And, and he and loved he, them back. And he loved them back. And well. I think that was what was special about him, is that he was somebody who was a showman 
and he obviously loved attention, and yet I think it seemed like the most satisfaction he got was from making other people happy. And um, it's sort of like he, yes, he dressed outrageously, but it was who he was. He, yeah, he it was, it was a very natural thing. So it, it's much less, he's not so much an exhibitionist as just, a, I guess, a, an old-fashioned eccentric, I guess is yeah. what they used to call him. And also, that's a good point about making people happy. He said, I never lied to people. And Dad, don't you have some examples of the kinds of horoscopes he would read on television every day? Why, yes, dear, I've committed them to memory. Oh, In wow. fact, I will even perform them in Spanish. Ooh. So for Taurus, for instance, Taudo, they each start off, yo tengo, yo whatever. And that means? It means I have. Thank you. And yo tengo. Uh, Tienes miles de talentos y habilidades. Utilízalos. Essentially, translation means you have thousands of talents and abilities. Use them. And that's that was the most generic thing I've ever heard. Yes, but. and yeah, and yet people responded to it, and that was the, you know, what y'all just said. He never uttered a negative word, and that's probably why people gravitated toward that. They just love that idea that he's going to say something that means something to me. Everybody has a sign. Oh, you want to mention your king, Lynn? Ah, yes, our king, Manuel. Lin-Manuel Miranda. He was a huge Walter Mercado fan, and it's kind of sweet because he meets him at one point in the dock, and you could just tell Lin-Manuel is so excited because I'm sure he grew up with him. I'm sure he was on every day in his household, and it was sweet because Walter Mercado was also super excited to meet Lin-Manuel, and they were just adorable. But Mom mentioned how how close they were sitting at one point, didn't you? You were kind of yes. like, ooh. <laughs> if anybody's ever seen The Bachelor and how they... <laughs> put those guys together on one couch so they, they can like get them all them. in one shot. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminded me of. They were like squished together on this couch. Tiny it was so couch. funny. Yeah, it was funny. But you could just tell Lin-Manuel was so excited. And that reminds me, listen to our Hamilton podcast a few episodes back. Oh, nice. Thank you. And you know, he, he liked him so much, he let him wear his cape with the flag of Puerto, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yes, very nice. So, so do we want to mention, no spoiler alerts, but his... Return to the museum was his first public appearance in almost 10 years. It was a sort of comeback for him. And there's a reason for that. Do you want to go into that, Emily? Yes. And that's kind of the other, I guess, main topic of the documentary is what happened to him. Because a lot of people actually had the question, where is Walter Mercado? I mean, apparently people just suddenly he was on TV and then the next day he wasn't. And for years and years, he kind of disappeared. But there was a legal reason, as yes. is often the case. His cleanly cut manager was not as great as he seemed. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of times the, the quote, villain in documentaries like this... Refused to comment. Refused to comment or have their lawyer by their side. In this case, the um, this former manager of his was doing an interviews and, and his unapologetic name, his name was bill bakula right and mm-hmm. actually the first time he appeared on camera we commented oh he seems like a really good manager because he was he innovative was. i mean he, he got him good some manager. good gigs no that's true but it kind of turned sour and one thing they said about walter that also applies to a lot of other artists is that they just don't know how to handle money or anything like that and in this case he trusted this manager a little too much but he was the reason why he got everything that manager i know it is one it's kind of that age-old argument i think of crooked business managers i mean there's so many celebrities who get taken advantage of by their manager but when it comes right down to it a lot of whether it's musician or actor or just celebrity a lot of times they don't have much business sense 
And if a business manager comes along and uh, knows a little bit more about the business than they do, then watch out. They really, yeah, they really take advantage. But in this case, you have to give Bill credit. (laughs) He really kind of knew what he was doing. He probably was a, a big reason for Walter's success. Well, he definitely did because he, at one point, Walter Mercado had a an audience of 120 million people globally, and and he he basically discovered him. I mean, he'd been he, he can't be undiscovered. I mean, he was already himself, and he had this popular show, but he really took it to new heights. And then got into the 90s, 1990s, 1980s with the psychic hotline and things like that. Any channel that he could put him on, he was on. And he's he's considered a a genius. And the other thing about Bacala, the the manager, is that he speaks Spanish and Portuguese, which explains why he was able to sell it in a big way in Brazil. And Brazil's the second largest audience to the U.S. Yes, and he was so popular down there. And, And so, yeah, he really knew what he was doing as a manager and... He's being described now as a Carol Baskin of the Latin community because of his... Ah, Tiger King. I know, and that's very similar to Tiger King. It really seems to have that appeal in the same way, just kind of a little bit different than your ordinary individuals out there, and you kind of like them. There's some good guys, there's some bad guys, and it's it's really worth watching. It's really entertaining. Yeah, but Walter's not a bad guy. Joe Exotic was kind of a bad guy. Yeah, Walter is... I think there's nothing that you really don't like about Walter. I mean, he he was clearly a good guy who Mm -hmm. liked people and cared about people. And he's still close with his nieces. That's yeah, that sweet. was cute. This is kind of an interesting kind of note, too. He He's had the same assistant for, is it 40 years? Yeah. They share the same hotel room and mm. they live together and everything, but... He is just an assistant, yeah, he apparently. Swears that. At least that's what he swears. And again, it's one of those things where it's none of our business. It's honestly. none of our <laughs> business, and pe- people love Walter, and so they don't. They don't need to know any more than mm-hmm. that. Not at all. And Walter but you can tell all these people who are close to him, I guess my point is that all these people who are close to him, whether it's his nieces or whether it's his assistant or whether it's his assistant's family members who are still close to him, they all are so loyal to him. Yeah, it's and cute. And he's very loyal to them. And he's just obviously a kind-hearted person. Family man, too, yeah. And that so often today, you don't... We just... It seems like so many of the people portrayed on television and in the movies are so unlikable and so selfish and um, kind of anti-heroes. Yes, yes, <laughs> anti-heroes maybe. This is it's always kind of nice to watch somebody who you figure is maybe a little bit strange but is somebody that you know is just good-hearted, sweet-hearted. So the movie premiered at Sundance in uh, January of this year, and like we mentioned earlier, it's on Netflix right now. Has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and it's really entertaining. So it's definitely something you should you should watch. But he was not able to make it to the the film festival, and the filmmakers were quoted as saying, um, "The dream was that he would be at Sundance in his winter cape." And I just love that. He had a winter cape. That means he had a spring cape, a summer cape, and a fall cape. Ooh. But he had 30 more capes. And many more in between. We saw his Halloween cape, and it was orange, and there were some spooky vibes to it. So I can't imagine what the winter one looked like. So do y'all have any more thoughts on this movie? I think that it's just, it's a good hour and a half documentary. It's lighthearted. And it's just kind of a fun watch. Yes, it's being compared to the Tiger King documentary, and I think that's a pretty good comparison. It's a fun watch. It's shorter, though. It's just an hour and a half. Yeah. And he's certainly a character that 
is worth watching and worth appreciating the sort of brilliance and eccentricity that he represented and you'll enjoy it. I I think no matter how you view it, whether he was somebody you watched as a child or whether he's somebody you've never heard of but you just are experiencing for the first time, you're going to enjoy watching this documentary about a person who is an individual to say the least. (laughs) Right and the words flamboyant astrologer and down to earth don't usually go together but that's what the filmmakers managed to do is bring out the real person and bring out the real family values. Well, maybe that's the wrong term. (laughs) Family... It felt like a family. You were watching a family living together. And and one last note, the filmmakers were asked what the most difficult part of the filming was. And they said not bumping into stuff in his home because it was (laughs) a a combination museum with artifacts from every religion in the world and paintings of James Dean and La Virgen de Guadalupe and things like that. You know, just different things all over all over his place. And with the cameras, they they didn't they were afraid they were going to bump into stuff, which is kind of another realistic aspect to, you know, what they're doing. On the final note, literally stay till the end of the credits because there's a very special message that you don't want to miss. So in conclusion, guys, we have to do what he always did at the end of his shows. Yeah, I know. You ready? Three, Three, two, two, one. one. Mucho, mucho amor. Thank you for listening to Strange Love of Movies. Follow us on social media linked down below and watch Mucho, Mucho Amor. Thanks, y'all. Bye.